Hello all and welcome back to another episode of TV and Us, a conversation show about the TV series we just can't stop talking about. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And each season we focus on a different show, reviewing it episode by episode, and we invite you to watch along with us. Right now, as many of y'all may know, we are going through our journey through Drew Detective season four, and today we have made it, y'all. We are here. We've arrived at episode six, the finale for this season. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Philip. Philip, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me on. So, been a friend of the Movies in Us show. This is my uh, TV and Us debut, I guess. Yes, we are so excited to have you back. Uh, Philip was guest on many of our uh, big movies and us episodes so some of some of the big movies of the past couple of months uh, phil has been able to join us on so he's no stranger he's no stranger all right well if you haven't watched this episode yet the finale this is your spoiler alert please check it out before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode all right sarah kick us off with an imdb summary for the season finale episode six When night falls in Ennis, Alaska, the eight men who operate the Salal Arctic Research Station vanish without a trace. To solve the case, Detectives Danvers and Navarro will have to confront the darkness they carry in themselves. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so for me here, I have not listened to all five of your episodes. I listened to um, like half of the first one. And then I listened to episode five to kind of get ready for this one. Where are you two? Well, because Jen, I think you reached out to me after it was maybe episode three that I commented on Mm -hmm. Instagram. You're like, hey, do you want to join us for the net finale? So for me, and maybe for the listeners, where are the two of you currently coming in to the finale? Where are you guys emotionally and like fan wise with the show where are we at before we hit play on the final episode yeah no i think that's really good let's do a temp check what's your journey been with the season up until this point that we've arrived at this moment uh sarah would you like to share your journey with the season so far oh man uh yeah (laughs) i'm not enjoying this season very much. Uh, there are some moments that I'm like, okay, the show is really shining and I'm really interested in in what's going on here. But I think for me overall, the story uh, feels very disjointed and I'm I'm really struggling with, with some of how it's written. So uh, there are some really good parts, but for me, it's just kind of a mixed bag and I'm I'm not having a very good time with the show. Philip, what about you? I'm intrigued here during the show. I think my comment on Instagram before you reached out to me, it was something along the lines of, hey, what are you guys thinking of the current season? I'm like, part of me really likes it. And then another part of me really wishes that it was better. There are some things that I really like, particularly ideas that I think are great. Um, I think I heard you guys talk or somebody else that um, – Maybe initially in the vision for the show, it was just an original um, premise and it wasn't a true detective anthology spinoff, what have you. And that kind of makes sense. So I'm fine with this. I'm, I kind of like the idea because, I mean, with seasons two and three of True Detective, it was an anthology anyway. So I, I don't care if you throw a colon on it and call it True Detective, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fine. 
but I'll say zoomed out, I feel like it was maybe two or three passes away from being like very, 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 very like top tier HBO, excellent miniseries. And there's some things that are very good, but some things that are very perplexing and frustrating. Um, I think a lot of the vitriol online is embarrassing for folks who are like very mad at it and hate it. Um, I think there's a lot of bad reasons to not like it. Um, and I'm happy for anybody who loves it. I just think for me, it was like, man, some of this stuff is great, but this could have been like an incredible show with maybe a couple extra months in development, a couple more story meetings and passes to make sure that like, if it was going to be six episodes, make it a good six episode structure. The other seasons were all eight episodes and this could have definitely benefited from two more good full episodes, making things more coherent and giving, I mean, I won't quite get there to the end, giving a particular group of characters, maybe a little bit more visibility and representation so that different reveals have more power when they come. Like did not hate it, did not dislike it, but, I felt like it, it could have been like incredible. Yes, yes. I'm I'm right there with you, Philip, because we can see the makings of something really great here. The potential is there, the premise is there, the time and place and the people groups that the show is really shedding light on. It's all there, you know, and it feels like, man, if we could just capitalize on this opportunity, this could have been really impactful, not just for the the you know, True Detective as an anthology and bringing kind of these two female protagonists in and and doing that whole bit, but also just the kind of the indigenous focus and spotlight and um, the actors and actresses that are cast in those roles. Sure. All of that could have been really fabulous. So my journey through episodes one and three was like, y'all, we just got to wait. It's going to be good. They've got a plan. They've got a plan. And we headed into episode four and I was like, maybe they don't got a plan like the way that I thought. So- well, season three yeah. is the one, if I remember properly, that's the one that ended in the hospital with a guy sitting up straight and talking to uh, Navarro. Like that was a great moment. That was a great moment. The Lund. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might have been end of episode three or four. Yeah, like right squarely yeah. in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also think one of the challenges of the show is that it just tackles so much. And I think, like you mentioned, Philip, part of that problem might be just like the, the capitalist engine that needs to brand this as a true deductive story versus how do we focused on these interpersonal relationships and this family dynamic um, there's a whole show. Like it might've been stronger yeah. if it was just called night country yeah. and then you don't need to make Rose, Rose rust or Rose Cole. Like that didn't really <laughs> add anything at all. Like when I heard it, I was like, okay, fine. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll dive into all that, all that goodness. But there's a whole thing around like callbacks to season one that I'm sure we could talk about too. Um, all right, let's dive squarely into this finale here, and let's start off with our episode titles of choice. What would you name the season finale of True Detective season four, Philip? What are what What would you name this episode? So actually, I was looking at my notes. That's actually what made me stop and say this. Uh, the one that I went with is uh, spiraling towards coherence. Well played. Well played. So good. I love it. Sarah, what about you? Uh, Yeah, mine is close the door. Mm. 
as I'm sure you felt closing the door on this season. That was yeah. I was like, let's close do. the door on the season. We did it, folks. We made it. <laughs> now we're on the other side of the door. Uh, my episode title is "Gonna Be One of Those Nights" from Rose. All right, so I'm intrigued to hear y'all's thoughts on this finale. I mean, we went in dramatic penultimate episode, uh, big big plot point there at the end of episode five and we dove right in uh to this finale thoughts on the way that this show ended the season and all the threads and kind of the the ending and all that kind of stuff thoughts on this finale philip do you want to share first i mean dramatically like the big mystery i liked the way they tied it up i thought that was like dramatically really good and i mean if we're just going to get into spoilers like one of the keys to a good mystery is introducing what will be revealed later in like a subtle way that like does not raise an eyebrow because typically with like a crime or a murder show, you're like, here are your suspects. And the best ones is when like, it's not any of those people, but when it's revealed, you're like, Oh wow. Like there it is. Um, which also the show didn't really do like, here are the suspects. And I mean, true detective in general kind of doesn't really do that. But when it's revealed that the, uh, the, the, the people behind the, the death and the disappearance of the Salal scientists were the crews of the cleaning ladies. Like I thought that was great. Like the idea that indigenous women who are in these like service roles are invisible type of people like that idea used in the mystery sense i thought that that was fantastic and like the folding of the clothes because like episode one i still think is great and you're like you have these like like (laughs) naked men frozen together in this grotesque thing with all their clothes folded up like in their rooms like that's a very ominous you're like how the heck did this happen and because the show has so much supernatural things that some of it i i think some of that stuff was even successful you're like is this a spirit thing? Like, what is this? And then it's to be revealed that it's these women who put together like, like this whole group of scientists were basically in on this native woman's murder. They never get justice for any of the missing or murdered native women. So they link their arms together and, and they are behind this. And like, I think like that goes well with episode one, like in and of itself, I liked that. And maybe we can just talk about, that um in a box i thought that that was pretty good i like that a lot so we loved the beginning and the end the journey we wound our way to the end there but yeah the, the beginning and the end framing uh sounds like it really worked for you sarah what are your thoughts on this finale yeah uh i i agree with you philip about the how the that part of the story that it's the native women that took out I mean, not even like they forced them out into the snow. Uh, I loved that. That was one of the moments in this episode that I was the most captivated. And and the way that um, uh, B and the other women are just in this house and B is telling the story. And as she's telling the story, more women are flooding this room. And I thought that that was just so beautiful, the way that that was done. So that was, for me, the highlight of this episode. I think the and very um, ominous, like the building mm-hmm. of the pressure, because there's the reveal, and then the what are Danvers and Navarro gonna mm-hmm. do now that this big case that they were going after 
yeah. is now being revealed. Like, what are they going to do now that they know who the quote unquote culprits are? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that part is so well done. And I think the, the parts of this episode that I really struggled with was all the, a lot of the character stuff. Uh, I, I loved what they did with Navarro and her learning her name. And I thought that that was a really like beautiful moment. Uh, I think it could have been set up better, but I, I do appreciate that she got that sense of release and, and got to learn that part of her identity. But I think a lot of the stuff with Danvers just felt unearned to me and it felt like overly happy this ending. I think, you know, we, the, the show kind of like discarded Peter at a point and was just like, okay, we're going to forget about him. <laughs> Oh, so Peter, can we talk about him for a second? Sure. Let's dive right in. Yeah. Forgot Peter. his name. So <laughs> I loved the finale of episode five. I was like, wow, mm. that was a great sequence. Maybe a teeny bit on the nose, like Greek tragedy esque, but I thought it was very good. Like it, re- it was shocking. And then like he's gonna clean it up, like while they go out and solve the case or whatever. Like I was like, I like that. But then literally he gets maybe three or four minutes of screen time cleaning up, having Danvers daughter come like the little psych out the marriage is a weird thing. Like you can like that scene in the car with him and his wife, like that both felt insane, but also kind of true to life. Like you can have like, you can be up and down in the span of a couple of days in a marriage and have like, so, I, so like that, sure, maybe that could work where she's like, just come back safe or whatever. But then it's like, he shot his dad in the head and now he's disposing of his dad's body. That's not going to be a thing you just kind of schluff off and doesn't affect you for the rest of your life. Like to give that such little time. And then it would Rose when she's with him. Uh, for some reason, Rose Cole, Russ's mom from the first season, like she's like, yeah, like nobody's, I forget what she said, but it's like, nobody's ever, you're never going to be free of this or whatever. And then there's like a montage of him sleeping with his wife and his son, like happy. I was just like, okay, like strange. This definitely could have, if this was an eight episode series, I would love to have seen how he got, like he could definitely got to a point to where he either, compartmentalized it or accepted it or whatever. Cause like his dad was a terrible guy, but he still killed his dad and hid the body like illegally. So like, I would love to have seen a little bit more of that. Yeah, totally agreed. Especially because the state, the mental state, emotional state of Pete is such a through line for all of the previous episodes. Like there's so many scenes of him struggling with that tension and feeling pressed on all sides between his work life and his family life and all of the mounting pressure that we're kind of like waiting to see when he'll snap. And he's one of the like most kind-hearted, good people in this this world, this this town that is so isolating. So you're like kind of waiting. It feels like it's building up to something and then something does happen, but we don't get to see the full after effects that decrescendo from it. Um, and it, I think especially featuring him in that, that final scene with Danvers doing the deposition interview, I was like, and he's just around seemingly okay. I feel like that they could have totally left that out and left it a little bit, you know, ambiguous that this episode seems to love ambiguous endings, leave it ambiguous. Like how is Pete? We don't know, but he's gone through a lot and let that, bit from Rose be kind of this unknown like will he 
grow and handle and process this well, or will he become detached and disconnected and disengaged like his father? Like that, that two paths in front of him, um, we could, we could have, I would have been happy with an ambiguous ending for Pete. It doesn't have to all end well for everybody, which it kind of feels like it does in this episode. Well, and I think part of what goes into that, like just dramatically, which is why I said I would love it if it had like two or three more full passes to kind of like fill stuff out. Because it's like, what's the structure of this town? Pretty sure it was in episode five. The head of the mining company brings in the chief of police to like question her. And I'm like, okay, I know obviously capitalism is playing a large role in this, but like what's the power dynamic there? And like, also and another question, like, I feel like if you look at it too much, it kind of falls apart, which is, is a shame <laughs> because there's so many good things. Mm. Cause it's like, how did the head of the mining company know that Danvers and Navarro found the completely not operational opening of the cave. That's completely out there in the wilderness and like not functional. They were upset about that, but they somehow didn't know about the cleaning ladies or like, if they did know about the cleaning ladies, is there going to be retribution? Because they killed like eight guys. Like, how is this all actually working together? And I don't want to be the logic police, but like, this is true detective. This isn't like NCIS. So I'm like, okay, like, how does this actually work together? And kind of like, I feel like the more you look at it, the less, like the more it kind of falls apart, which is a shame. So I'm just trying to hit the dramatic beats because I'm like, okay, I can kind of accept that a little bit. I would love to have seen more, but yeah. Two more episodes and maybe a little bit more tighter story. Yeah, yeah ugh, that it's hard. Do we think the mining company know? Do we think the woman who's in charge of the mine knows what happened to the scientists and is like plotting her next move? Or do we think she doesn't realize what happened? That is a good question. And honestly, I haven't thought about that, but in, I am going to say that in my own head canon, she absolutely knows what went down and is, she is plotting their demise because that to me is interesting. Like when in the last episode, when they introduced Kate and like all of her kind of like political dealings in Ennis and how she's kind of like this mover and Which shaker. Episode five like, is not the time. No, the second to last, like episode yeah. five of six, yeah. episode five of eight, maybe not five of six. Yeah. Like I wanted to know so much more about her. So like for my own little headcanon, she's absolutely plotting their demise. That's, that's great. That's so fun to think about. Yeah. How could she not know that it was them? And like that also, like that is true detective. Like that feels true detective. Like the, the head of this like capitalist machine that's like grinding up the, the inhabitants of this town to like, to further their research. Like, of course she would. Right. That's what I wanted more of from the show. That's the that's the stuff that I loved in episodes one and three is like we just are seeing this world like unfold in front of us and we are are getting to know like all of the dynamics and political dynamics and corruption and all the stuff in this town. That's like I think where the show really shines. And so all of that stuff with the indigenous women, like they could have started that journey much earlier. So that when that comes finally in the ending, you're like, oh man, there's so much weight and stakes behind it. And we we get a little bit of it with like Leah going to the protests and stuff like that. But I feel like that is such a- Which that was a great sequence. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. 
and and just the complexity of it too like that tension between man this town relies like 50 percent of their workers on this mine and yet the mine is killing this indigenous uh people group so what do you do because either way these different groups of people are going to be shut out of luck like that's that's some interesting stuff and it's i i think like had the show like you know peeled back the layers of that more i would have been like so all in well, and you still could have done the spiritual stuff too. Actually, I'm going to rewind. You said something. So it struck me. I liked how, again, I like the idea of inverting nearly everything about season one, right? Like you have two female leads. Um, instead of being like in the sunny South, yeah. you're in like dark <laughs> Alaska. Like I like instead of being like super like esoteric and – uh, humanistic and like nihilistic it's very spiritual like I like a lot of those like choices to like we are going to like invert a lot of the things of season one but then not even at in the final episode like at the end of the last episode they use the device of the interrogation and I just think that like I think that that framing device could have been really helpful dramatically throughout the whole series right like the interrogation of Danvers after like you can start i mean just like season one right like you can start episode one she's being interrogated like all this stuff had already happened and then each episode like you see the things they're interrogating her about or you could even do it like a couple of times in the whole series if you wanted to just like hang things on it like you don't have to every episode doesn't have to have an interrogation scene but that was such a strange thing to pull directly from season one and then have it be at the end of the end have her be a little smarmy and basically walk out and say, is that it gentlemen? Like, I was like, okay, all right. Which also saying that just reminded me the most egregious thing I feel like was the, uh, the lifting of the time is a flat circle from season one. That was, I like wanted a gag <laughs> when yeah. you said that. Yeah, I did too. I was like, don't, don't do that. We're already doing the spiral thing. That's enough, you know? And well, in the point, spiral, like yeah. what was the, what no was idea. the point of that? <laughs> no idea. It, thin ice. Really like okay. A great trailer to generate buzz. Like, Ooh, these two seasons are connected, but like they are mostly two isolated stories. Like they did not need to be connected at all. I think this is the like capitalist engine being like this is going to be easier for i think people. it hurt it well yeah. and I, I am sympathetic too if i'm isa lopez and they're saying hey do you want to make this true detective that means more prestige more eyes on it you can get somebody like jody foster you can get hbo to shell out probably a lot more money than if you were just doing it on your own like i get that but it's like and i also respect to a degree like not leaning too hard on it either, but just to invoke, like you don't want to lean too hard on it, but then to kind of sort of invoke it to no end at all also is kind of lame too. Like it's hard, right? Just feels like ammunition for all of the keyboard warriors that are like diehard season one fans, you know, like we're just feeding them content for them to like be upset about because oh. it's such a tease at the end when you see that that framing with the deposition you're like this is what we could have had you know like man i feel like that could have been dramatically stronger and where are you guys i feel like i don't remember you guys are in different places as far as true detective season one where'd you guys land on that <laughs> yeah. uh i am wrong and i did not like season one of true detective 
Okay. At all or Yeah, it just general? didn't work for me. Like it's a very well made show, but I just didn't connect with it the way that so many other people have. And Jen? Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, I'm not a big like detective show watcher, so like I was here for just the character stuff. Like all of Rust waxing poetic. I've eaten all that stuff up. So um I do think it's like yeah. quite hyped. That I think also, you know, people are like, this is the best season of television ever. And so that definitely colored it too. I was like, oh, bold, bold claims, bold claims. <clears throat> where, where are you on that? It is definitely maybe a little bit overhyped. I think it's a fantastic, like one season show. I don't think the ending was terribly strong, but like week to week, I was watching that week to week as it came out and it was just so engrossing and thrilling. I think the cinematography and music were doing a lot of the heavy lifting and the two leads no shade to the night country leads but i think like the the magic of harrelson and mcconaughey along with the incredible cinematography the excellent music another big gripe that i i grant night country critics is the music was kind of really not my bag like it was very like very on the nose songs but weird covers of them a lot of times i did not like i i watched the intro because on the app like you can skip it i watched the intro the first time and usually with hbo shows especially if i'm watching it once a week like i'll watch the intro get me in the mood like i like billy eilish just fine it's just like just strange choices for the music almost none of the music really worked for me i feel like it would have been better just to have like the ambient sounds of like the wind or if you're doing like the spiritual stuff with like the spirits talking, that was a lot stronger than like the very on the nose needle drops of like weird covers of songs that like telegraph the mood of the scene very obviously. And it's like, why would you, why would you do that? Yeah. I feel like the, the music got progressively worse throughout the season like I remember watching season one and or episode one and there were certain points where I was like oh okay like I'm digging this part of the score and then like man it just got worse and worse and the past couple episodes there were moments when I was like why are you making me listen to this like yeah so bad yeah it was best I agree I thought again I think episode one is very good like the moody minimalistic score versus like soundtrack and the needle drops and the nonsense this is also how i felt about the editing on the show <laughs> just got progressively worse as well like that we'd cut from totally disparate types of of tones and scenes and they go straight back to the previous tone like like there's moments yes. where we're, we're yes. with dan versus navarro we do a little like dramatic moment like 20 seconds of Pete and kayla having a fight and then like back to dan versus navarro out on the ice and you're like Oh my gosh, this is whiplash. Like, did we cut this? Did we cut no, this really? the editing was strange. <laughs> and I, and again, there were a couple of really great, like, inspired moments, like, especially when, like, the spirit world. Okay, also, is the night country the spirit world, or what is that what that was supposed to be? I have like, no idea. Like, yeah, the show backed itself into a corner. It, the, yeah. the show backed yeah, itself into a corner. The night country now, four. and it's like, it's like, Alaska, like the season that the show is taking place in was during like the month of night. Like, yeah, is that night country or is the spirit world night country? Sometimes when Navarro went into the spirit world, it was daytime. Like, what are we? 
but I liked this. I thought the editing was excellent in a lot of the scenes where like the lines between like the real world, quote unquote, and the spirit world were like being blurred. And like, particularly when Navarro was being visited or like pulled into the spirit world, I thought that editing was great. But then sometimes scene to scene or moment to moment, it would just be so jarring. It's like, I feel like if all the departments had another yeah. like four to six months, this could have been very tight and we'd be like, uh, this is a classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all that's it, like all in all, I, I mostly like it. I feel bad for having some of my things, but it's just, yeah. No, two truths can exist at the same time, you know, like you can enjoy it and also find uh, there's things that could have been better. I'm, I am intrigued to hear both of y'all's thoughts on this open-ended ending or just kind of the, the way that the, the, the show chooses to end with um, some of the, those last couple of sequences. I'm curious your thoughts on how that worked for you. So I guess the first question, do we think Navarro is alive and is like super duper at peace or her spirit is visiting Danvers? What do we think? Or does it matter? It doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't don't care. I don't think that's super mysterious. Like, I don't think she killed herself. (laughs) But if she did, she's at like, I don't know. Yeah. Like Like, her sister was a lot more unstable than her. mm -hmm. So like, I don't think she exactly went that route. I think she's probably actually alive hanging out with Danvers, but also, I don't know. And again, she walked away. Do we think like the mind is like this omniscient, all powerful, like crushing presence. Do we think that like, they're not going to find her or I don't know. I don't, again, like if you think about it too much, it kind of is like, (laughs) I want to enjoy this. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is my thing with ambiguous endings. You have to be able to earn it. Like we, the, the emotional stakes for Navarro, I think were in a different direction. So this ambiguous ending feels more significant for like Danvers. Cause she's the ones de- delivering a lot of those ending lines. on like, I don't think you'll find Navarro out there on the ice and the final shot of them on the porch. Like this, there's, there was so much like, of an emotional arc for Danvers character in that final episode that it felt really weird to then have Navarro have this ambiguous ending. And I, I, Oh, we also had it revealed. We didn't even talk about this. I don't know if you guys talked about it much already. Like mm-hmm. the tension between them, it was revealed that it was Navarro who in fact murdered uh, the suspect earlier yeah. on who was abusing his wife. And that was kind of never addressed. She's like, well, I was thinking about doing it too. Like, <laughs> That was kind of never really addressed either. What do we think about like, like, (laughs) and I guess you're like, oh, vigilante justice was served, but we're also like a cop killing a person we're rooting for also. Like, I don't know. That's kind of hard too, especially in this climate. Like I get the, the male, female dynamic. He was being an abuser, Mm -hmm. but it's still like law enforcement murdering somebody and then covering it Mm -hmm. up. Yay. Is that where we want to be? Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's how I felt initially with the scene with the women uh, and the way that the, it was shot and kind of the score, this like weird sense of morality of the women exacting their revenge on the scientists as this like form of justice. Like it's, to, I read that like tone of that scene to be like positive leaning. And then I zoomed back and I was like, okay, well they technically never say that they killed him. They just 
you know, like let them out on the ice and said, if she takes them, that she takes them. So I was like, okay, they, they didn't totally claim that the women have killed these like eight men, but also that weird sense of morality. I was like, I don't know how this ends with me either. So yeah, I'm, I'm same, same vein. I felt less bad about that. Obviously (laughs) you have, you have to say that is actually immoral, but like story-wise and also because one of the things that I think is a strength of the show is that how it highlights, I mean, much like we talked about killers of the flower moon on movies in us, like a piece of media highlighting real struggles. Yeah. I think I, I learned more about this because of the show and I listened to the HBO like podcast that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize it wasn't until four years ago or less in 2020 that they even started a database to catalog the missing and murdered indigenous women in Alaska. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a list mm-hmm. of all the missing and murdered indigenous women. That's bad. Mm-hmm. I get that. So like the story of some indigenous women taking justice into their own hands for all of their uh, mothers, sisters, cousins, nieces, what have you. There was an interview with like the woman who was the head of that group. And she told a story on the HBO podcast, like after the show podcast, when she was like a teenager, she went out with her friend and they walked home separately afterwards. And then like, she found out her best friend had been like murdered that night. Like these women like have Mm -hmm. that real experience. So like, I'm, I'm much more sympathetic to, like oppressed people taking justice into their own hands, but like Navarro being a cop shooting a suspect in the face and walking away. That's a different story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I think the show or the season really shines when it focuses on those indigenous women and it, it focuses on the real things that people are actually dealing with in communities like this. So like the stillbirths, the environmental stuff, the murders, like all of these things are so relevant and so important. And those are the parts of the season that I was super interested in. So like, I, I wish that we could take out those, those parts like Wheeler, like what did that whole thing even accomplish? Like who cares? We can remove that and let's do more about this town and these people and, and like, I don't know, let's spend some more time with them because that I feel like is really the show's strength instead of going on some of these side detours. Yeah, because the whole business with like finding the phone in the trailer to eventually torment him enough to tell them what happened at the end, I was like, that took up a lot of screen time. I'm sure there's a workaround to get him to talk I don't know. Like, again, a couple more passes. This could have been great. I think the best in my mind, other than the first episode, which was mostly mood, I think it was episode three was my favorite one. Yes. Just structurally and thematically, I think that's the one where it started off with um, a flashback of Navarro trying to talk to Annie Kay, I think it even was. Yep. And she walks in in a birthing center to where you think it's a stillbirth, but it's actually a birth. And like, she is reconnecting with her native heritage and like seeing the hardships of like how likely it is to have still like, but it's not beating you over the head with like tragedy. It's like the stillbirth rate and the, the, the pollution making this hard. Like that is a real thing that, that works as drama without being too preachy. 
And then at the end of that episode is the flip side. You have Danvers walking in on a native like funeral or a death ceremony. Like that's really good drama, which uh, is character growth, is plot growth, is all these things. More of that I think would have been better. And with the supernatural stuff too, I liked. But like what was the point of the polar bear? We didn't get any like – yeah. I was like, where's the, the – because I think you guys said something like oranges and polar bears. You, <laughs> yeah. got, you got an orange and like you you didn't really get any polar bear stuff in the end. Like I think you saw it in a flashback on a bed, but like you didn't really get like, oh, here's mm-hmm. – here is something. Yeah. If you have such iconic like objects that are meant to be so metaphorical, like you've got to play it out a little bit, you know? Like we're all here for it. Like, and otherwise it just becomes a little bit silly and ridiculous, so – uh, it for some good, good fun for us on the pod. <laughs> uh, well, and what, so Danvers' kid died. What happened to Danvers' husband? Do we know that? Did he die or he leave? Died her in the accident. What? Is what I assumed. Yeah, that was okay. my assumption too. Yeah. What about the daughter? I thought I didn't know how long ago the murder was when they were partners. When you heard the kid crying in the background, I was like, "Are we going to reveal like that was like?" the daughter like Danvers's daughter that like she raised from this guy she killed. Like I had no idea where any of that was going. Cause like the crying baby in the background of when uh, mm. Navarro killed the suspect, like you have a dramatic moment of a baby crying afterwards. And I'm like, Oh, where is this going? It went nowhere. Mm. They killed, like they left this child uh, orphaned. <laughs> like, I guess like, yeah. Couple more passes. It's like just there for tone and mood and set piece and melodrama. Yeah. Yeah. Because in none of the flashback of Danvers and the baby is her daughter, right? No, it's all Holden. It's always Holden. Yeah. it's That's positioned as her. I'm like, where did this daughter come from? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And I wanted to like this more than I did. But I still do like it some. But don't, don't hate it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, have you guys, sidebar, have you guys seen uh, Nick Pizzolatto's just awful social media post? The guy who created the first Three. two seasons. Mm-hmm. He's just sharing yeah. all these posts of people on Night Country. And he's just being a big tool about it. We've mocked this show pretty heavily on this season of TV. And so, like, we are contributing to this. But, like, we don't need to... I don't know. We don't need to be mean about it. You know, like there are some real flaws in this show. Like, No, you can have fair criticisms of some of these things are not awesome choices. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also really good things like we've talked about and there are important themes and ideas. And, and I appreciate that this show is trying to explore those things. And like you've been saying, Philip, with a few more passes, this could have been excellent. Like, the pieces are there for this to be great. It just didn't quite come together as well as it could have. Yeah, it's it's a show that like really does have a lot to say. It's all just execution in uh, the things that could be better. It's it's hard when you you experience like art and media that you feel like feels empty, but the execution's great. Like I almost would prefer this because there's a lot more to chew on um, and talk about, and and you can, you can talk about the execution pieces on the script and the dialogue and all that stuff, the editing and the score. But man, there's a lot of really great thematic pieces and important important themes here as well. Uh, all right. Shall we, shall we give out some awards before we wrap up? Let's do it. 
All right. First award is best character clues. This is a character revealing moment that is unfolded in this episode. Uh, Philip, what is your choice for this category? So like, I don't say best. And again, with all the caveats that I had, it was so bold and brash and jarring, but I kind of, I, I choose to accept. And I think I kind of really like um, the junior detective's wife in the car, just kind of eventually just joining his team and saying, Hey, just come back alive. Like, don't like stop being an idiot, come back alive. And then we'll move past this. Like, I, I was like, is this earned? I don't know. But like, I know like relationships aren't like a normal linear thing either, but like, I kind of, I was like, this is bold. They're making a lot of bold choices in this one. <laughs> this doesn't seem the most consistent, but like also when they were in jail, she's like, you know, like she actually really does love you. So mm. I kind of liked like when the rubber met the road at the end, I, I that, that moment worked for me. I liked it. Sarah, what about you? Best character clue. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give it to the Hawaii mug that Danvers is drinking out of in the interview to signal that she is no longer dark and twisty, but she is now a sunshiny, happy person <laughs> drinking from her Hawaii mug. Amazing. I love that this category is going to a mug, this award. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, my choice for this category is to the Pete and uh, Rose sequence when she somehow finds out and knows that I guess Pete told her that it's his father <laughs> that they are dropping into the ice. I'm like, that is some amazing finessing by the part of Rose or Pete just offered up that information. But I'm like, if I'm showing up to somebody's some stranger's house saying we need to bury bodies. Yeah. They never <laughs> talked about that. He's like, I've got somebody to bring to you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not telling you this is my family. But like, we're just, we're just no questions. I killed someone. We need to bury him. I don't need to reveal all the details, but somehow she finessed that out of him. So it's impressive. Rose is a is a beast. <laughs> and and Rose knew that she needed to like like stab yeah. his lungs or like whatever she did so that he didn't yeah. float. Like, okay, Rose. I already loved this character. She's great. Fiona Shaw is a gem. But like, Rose, how many bodies have you disposed of in this ice? We need to have a conversation. Oh, I'm, I'm guessing a few. Mm -hmm. A handful. Yeah. yeah, she's great. I also just that she's like, you need to put him in the water yourself. Like, matter of fact, no questions asked. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Okay, next category is best burn. This is the best line insult given in this episode doled out in this episode uh sarah what was your choice for this category this was slim pickings for me again so i'm just going to give this to rose because she's great uh when she says it's gonna be one of those nights isn't it yeah went, yes it is rose yes it is <laughs> <laughs> philip who's given who's getting this award today maybe i'll go with the head of the cleaning lady saying something along the lines of story's just a story like so i didn't really confess i just told you an interesting story with that winking look in her eye too we all know we all know uh rose is getting this award uh when she says you want to see me cut the air out of his lungs so he doesn't float like <laughs> way to go right for the jugular as she's like asking his son <laughs> oh yeah that whole bit uh made me chuckle all right 
Well, this was our review and discussion of episode six, the finale for True Detective season four. You can find it available on Max. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of TVNS. And a big thank you to you, Philip, for joining us and sharing all of your thoughts about this finale and the season overall. It's been really great. Philip, where can people find more of you, your work, your content, hang out with you more on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me um, personally at Philip Marinello on all the things that I'm on and uh, the Substance Pod. Uh, the Substance Podcast, that's how we connected. Uh, recently had a very exciting, uh, we had our first big actor, director. We had John Carroll Lynch on. Um, listeners may not know that name right away, but if you Google it, you will 100% recognize the face. If you're a film and TV fan, he's got like over 125 credits. I think of him as allegedly the zodiac killer but i mean he's he's been in a lot of um big things and uh, a few years ago he directed his first film and we had him on the show to talk about his first film lucky um that was incredible but yeah the substance we podcast about things related to faith culture justice the arts all sorts of stuff we're a variety show we have people in the film world we've got a couple of big um film critics and podcasters on there one of our guests recent one of our past guests recently became a new york times film critic which is very cool um then we also have people like professors advocates ministers things like that as well so something for everybody over at the substance Yes, and we will include all of those details and where to follow and and get plugged into those conversations in the show notes. So definitely check out Philip and some more of his work. He has an amazing slew of guests and, and great conversations over there. So definitely join in on those conversations. All right. Well, our name, TV and Us, sums it up. We're big fans of TV and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. So everyone is welcome here. And we're so glad you spent time with us today as we continued and wrapped up our journey through True Detective Season 4. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify. Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune to your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about this finale for this season. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at TVNSPod or you can email us at TVNSPod at gmail.com. We will be back soon in TVNS uh, episodes and content. Uh, so stay tuned. Make sure to follow and check out our feed uh, to see what we'll be covering next here on TVNS. We hope you have an amazing week and we will definitely be talking to y'all again soon. Bye.